0: All right, here we go. So today's daf is Daf Samach Zayim, page sixty-seven, and we are going to go back to the bottom of Samach Vav Amad Bez to restart the Mishnah. All right, sixty-seven is uh, picks up right in the middle of the Mishnah, so we're going to pick up. We're going to let, let's move back to the bottom of Samach Vav Amad Bez. Two lines from the bottom. Brand new Mishnah. Fascinating. Uh, some fascinating. Uh, Halachos, along with the explanation of what exactly the process looked like for the person, for this Ish, who walked the Sair Lazazo from the of Hamikdash to the cliffs. Let's read the Mishnah. Two lines from the bottom. There were people of Yerushalayim. That would accompany him, walk with him. Up until the first sukkah. Now, why is there a sukkah on his route from the Beis HaMikdash to the cliff? The Mishnah explains. There were a total of 10 different sukkahs, 10 different rooms, 10 different booths that, um, you know, uh, we'll call them pit stops, rest stops, that were along the way for this person to, uh, as he brought... The Sa'ir Lazazo from the Beis HaMikdash. Okay? Says today's Dav. Samach Zayim. Tishim Ris. And how far was his walk? It was 90 Ris. Okay? Now how much is 90 Ris? Says the Says the Mishnah. Shibu mechza lechol mil. There are seven and a half Ris to each mil. Okay? So which means you have 12 mil. Total. And those 12 mil, along those 12 mil, there were 10, uh, there were 10 sukkas. okay? Says the mission. Listen to this. And I want, I want us to jump out of our skin, all right? I'll call sukkah for sukkah, lai in every sukkah. What did they say to them? They said, oh, have a rest. Hare mozen, take some food. Hare mayim, take some drink. Uh, hello? Hello? You ever heard of Sandy Koufax? Yeah? You, the, are you serious? You serious? Baseball players don't eat and drink on Yom Kippur. Right? This guy uh, walking the Sar La Zazel, they're offering him food. You know what today is? It's Yom Kippur. Yeah, what's going on? But look at the Mishnah. They're offering him food and drink as he's moving along. So <laughs> we're going to have to get some explanation in the Gemara. And they walked him, they would accompany him, you know, from uh, the distance, from one sukkah to another, except for the last sukkah, from the last sukkah till the end, nobody accompanied this ish, this man, nobody went with him to the sukkah, nobody went with him to the cliff, okay? Um, now, the reason why nobody was allowed to go with him to the cliff is because Rashi explains that last amount was always way too far to be inside of a tchum. And therefore, he was permitted to walk outside because he had a mitzvah dairaisa to do. But for people to accompany him and walk outside the tchum is not going to be allowed. I'm All right, so what did people do? They didn't walk with him over to the tzok. But they would, uh, they would stand at the end of their tchum and they would watch him mei uh, They would watch him from a distance. Listen to this. Now he's at the cliff with the goat. What did he do? Chaylek He would take his string of red wool. Remember? We learned about this beginning of the parrk. begin begin the masech. Uh, That's whether uh, each Sawyer had its own piece of red wool, or whether it was two halves. So he would take the, the piece of red wool, he would tie half of the wool that he had to the rock, and tie half of it between the horns of the goat. And then the goat was pushed off the cliff backwards. Okay? Now, why did the goat have to be pushed backwards? The answer is, for anybody who knows animals and their climbing ability, which I don't, except for what the Mishnah and Gemara teaches us, um, Chazal teach us that goats are experts at, fi- at rock climbing, at finding the proper footing on the cliff. So if he were to push the goat off when the goat was able to see the cliff, the goat could probably catch itself. Therefore we pushed it over backwards this way it would just tumble and there was there was no way for it to catch itself. for whom is Galgo and the goat would, would would just go tumbling off the cliff by the time it was halfway down the mountain, halfway down the cliff, it was already in pieces all right it was gone it had died but the and then. Um he uh came back to the last sukkah and he waited until uh until Yom Kippur was over. Alright? Fine. says the Gemara that the halacha was that whoever went to be bring the Sar Lazazo, his begodim became Tame. Why? That's what it says in the Pasak. But ask the Mishnah when and how did his begotten become tummy? I mean, all he did was go on this long walk with the sa'ir lazazel, push it backwards off the cliff, it died by itself, he walked away. Where's the tuma? Why would there? Why would it become impure? At what point of this process is this impurity just coming? It says the Gemara, it says the Mishnah, his clothing becomes tummy as soon as he leaves the walls of Yerushalayim. Ribshimin Shimon says, he becomes Tomei as soon as he pushes it off the cliff, and the Gemara will get involved in this, in all the halachas of the Mishnah. Here we go. Okay, again, a fascinating, fascinating mission. Let's quickly review outside what we just said. What we just said was this ish, this man who was appointed to bring the Sa'ir lazozol, had chashva people accompanying him, and there were ten sukkas that were divided up on his walk from Yerushalayim over to the, over to the cliff. And uh, in each sukkah, they would offer him food and water, and people from that sukkah would accompany him to the next sukkah. And that's how, it, that, you know, he always had somebody with him, except for the final stop, the final sukkah going all the way to the cliff, the people did not accompany him that far because there was no way to keep themselves out, uh, inside the tchum. So they stopped at the edge of their and they walked. Him, they watched him from afar. He took the goat, pushed it over backwards, not forwards. By the time it got halfway down the cliff, it was already had fallen apart into pieces. And then he came back to the last sukkah and uh, waited there until Yom Kippur was over. That was the process. The Mishnah then brings down a, finally at the end a machlokas, a dispute. So for some reason, the Torah says that the clothing of this fellow, of this Ish, become impure. When did it become impure? Nothing particularly happened. He didn't touch any dead bodies, right? didn't touch an avail. What's going on? So the Gemara says, listen, it's, it's, it says the Mishnah, you Gemara, know, the source, but either he became tummy as soon as he exited Yerushalayim, or he became tummy as soon as he pushed the Lazozal off the cliff. Okay, here we go. Let's enter the Gemara. Ten rubs. One of the rabbis learned. So should we? Yes. A sukkah. So There were ten sukkahs divided up amongst twelve mil. Right? Ninety wrists. Seven and a half ends up being twelve mil. Rabbi Meir's opinion. Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda says teisha sukkahs v'asara mila. The distance was not ten sukkahs and twelve mil. The distance was nine sukkahs and ten mil. Rabbi Yasiyai. Rabbi Yasiyai says chomei sukkahs v'asara mila. He says there were five uh sukkahs amongst ten mil. Okay, and which means you're going to have two mil between uh, between the sukkahs. Now, not really two, and I'll explain to you why. If you if you follow the logic, just listen closely. If you have five sukkahs, that really means there are six divided parts. You have the part up until the su- first sukkah. That's number one. From sukkah one to two is is distance two. From sukkah 2 to 3 is distance 3, 3 to 4 is 4, 4 to 5 is 5, then 5 to the cliff is going to be your 6th compartment of distance, right? So if you have 5 sukkahs and 10 mil, you're not really, right, I mean, you're going to have 5 sukkahs, but really going to have, it's going to be divided up into 6 different parts, it's not really going to be uh, 2 mil, I'm just using that as, uh, you know, that's as close if you don't want to get into fractions. The kulan al and the, the, this whole machoikas and this whole discussion, particularly what Rabbi Yaisi is explaining, is that if you use my numbers, you should know every booth to the next booth, every sukkah to the next sukkah, is going to be within a tchum, that allows it to become walkable. I'm Rabbi, Yaisi. Rabbi Yaisi says, I was schmoozing with um, my son, who is Rabbi Yaisi, and I and we were schmoozing we were schmoozing about the possibility of if you could even have two uh, two sukkas and ten complete mil. Okay, now um, the Rashi there's a there's a long Rashi over here, which uh, which comes to explain how such a thing would be possible. Just to give a little bit of a inkling into what Rashi says, basically, what you do is as follows, okay, without going through each step, but just to get us started and how it would work. So, if you put the first sukkah one mil from the beginning, so now the sukkah, the Eruv of that sukkah, if you make an Eruv tchumim, you're going to be able to extend... That whatever you are just permitted to walk double. So if you have one mil to the sukkah, and then you put an erev uh, an erev Tchum and one mil past that sukkah, I'm going to have an additional mil to the following ones. You're re- really hopping three mil before you even got to the second sukkah. Okay. Um, now what you can do is that's that's done. Now what you can do is from Yerushalayim. Let's say you don't even put your sukkah one mil outside. Let's say you place your eruv tchumen one mil outside Jerusalem. So now you have one mil to the eruv tchumen. You have another mil from the eruv tchumen until the first sukkah. Okay, and even before that first sukkah, you can have somebody who was in that sukkah have put. A uh, have put his own in a way that comes to kind of comes to greet the walker and therefore doesn't leave him un- unaccompanied. He's gonna either way, the guy walking the Sar Lazal is gonna be he himself walking outside. The question is how to allow people to be escorting him throughout. There's different chaps in how to make that happen. Okay. Says the Gemara hada tanya, uh, so, so, so. come on, that obviously is Karev Meir okay? only Rav Meir agrees with that the other opinion is going to hold that Hitaka was, had people with him all the way over the cliff, because all they need to do is, is extend their eruv Tchum, okay which Rav Meir does not allow period, two dots end of that explanation of the mission next part of the mission, I'll call sukkah and every sukkah they said to him you want some food you want some water? Ask the Gemara. <coughs> uh, hello? Hello? Are we Jewish? Nobody ever needed food and water. Such a truism. And this, this uh, rule presents itself numerous times in various areas of halacha. And that is, we didn't want him to eat and drink. But we also wanted to make sure that he wasn't no sort of danger on his walk. What if the guy uh, completely dehydrated? It was Mamasha sakana. So we we tuck ahead water and food available uh, water and food available for him. And this way, since he knew that he always had the ability to get it if he needed, he was always able to keep pushing himself. You know what? Nah. If I really need it, I can get it at the next at the next sukkah and get at the next stop. It's called pas basale. A person's got bread in their basket. When you know it's coming, when you know it's available to you, it becomes a lot easier for a person to control their mind in, as to uh, what exactly they need. If they, if they thought there was oh, no, the whole time he's walking, he's like, "Oh, man, I'm so thirsty, I can't handle this." Mom is But if at each sukkah he knows, ah, no, another little bit. I, if if I really need it, I can pick it up soon. Eventually, he's going to be able to make it through the whole thing without needing anything. Okay, said what did this Ish do when he got to the cliff? He would tear apart the piece of wool, put half it on the rock and half between the horns. Ask the Gemara why did he put half between the horns and half on the rock? Why don't you put the whole thing on the rock? Okay? Now, why would I put the whole thing on the rock? So, the Mepharsham explained very simply. The apparent purpose of this wool is so that if a kapara was gotten, it turned white. Well, if you put half the wool on between the head of the goat, between the horns of the goat and half the wool on the rock... Not going to be so noticeable. At the time that the atonement happened, so pull over on the rock. He's standing next to the rock. The the goat's going down the cliff. So let him just put it next to the rock, and it'll be a lot a, much clearer of a message for everybody. It says the Gemara, "Keep on the mitzvah of the sawyer, do ma'kodu m'mal ben mi'asvedaiti." Okay, that I'll tell you why. Very interesting, mamish, fascinating Gemara. The Gemara says that. Um, As soon as he brings it over to the cliff already there's a possibility of the atonement starting or happening. If he sees the strip turn white he might not even go ahead and push the goat off the cliff. Says the Gemara. Okay, so v'nictare kule b'inkronov. Yeah, maybe you should just put the whole thing on the goat. Says the Gemara. Excuse me. Zimnin demagashle l'areisheh. Because sometimes the goat, we know the goat starts falling apart. And people aren't going to notice, you know, it starts falling apart as it goes down the cliff or it bends its head. People aren't going to notice that a kapara happened. Okay, here we go. In the beginning, originally, they would tie the red wool on top of the doorway of the ulam, the large waiting hall to the outside so people could see Hilbin and the other half of the strip of red wool in the base of Mikdash when it turned white. People started ha- dancing. They started being happy like Hilbin. But let's say the red did not turn white. They were saddened and embarrassed. And therefore, they made a decree that the red wool should be on the inside of the Ulam, but people would still uh, get their head around to be able to see it. So the Chavim then said that the other half should be half on the rock and half between the, uh, the, the horns of the goat, meaning... They didn't publicly show uh, th- this symbol anywhere inside the base of mikdash. It did symbolize them, but we, we took it away from the people. Yeah, we, we the the chazal felt it, this was this was too much for Yidden and too stressful, too, caused too much anxiety for klal sir. which is another very chosh of a message over here. Right? You'd say, let people learn the message, uh, learn the lesson. Yeah, you didn't get a gabar, you didn't do ba-ba-ba-ba. No, no. There's a way that things can be broken to to people. Eventually, people will find out, you know. But they, we have to be sensitive and make sure that information is given over in the right eifin, with the right uh, situation. Lai Amar of Nahum Bar Papa Mishum Rabbe Lozer Akaper. Nachum Bar Papa says the name of Rabbe Lozer Akaper. Berishah Na Yekashim Lozer Zehores HaPasachul Mi Befneem in the beginning. They would tie the strip of red wool on the inside of the ulam. Not like we said. We said it was on the outside, then they moved it to the inside, and eventually they moved it to the rock by the cliff. Now, says Rab Nochum, no, originally it was on the inside of the ulam. Okay? The Kiva Chigi la midbar, and as soon as the Sar reached the Midbar, Mitzvah People in the of mikdash would see it, it would turn white, and they knew that the mitzvah was done. Now, why is it important for the mitzvah to be done? Because the Kaim Gadot was waiting for this to happen. He this, this was like his sign. This is how he knew that the ish was done at the cliffs, that he continue on with his avayda. Shenemar, as it says, If your sins started out red, they will become white as snow with the atonement with the kapara of HaKadosh Baruch period ended that discussion on that part of the Mishnah and now we continue what happened was when they would push the Sar Lazazel off the cliff off the mountain by the time it didn't even reach halfway down it was already completely dismembered they asked a question searching for information the Sar Lazazel thrown off a cliff guess what Yankel and Beryl love hiking. The day after Yom Kippur, they go for a hike on the Lazazel mountain. They see some fresh meat. Ah, delicious steak. One turns to the other. He says, Psh, look at this, David is sending us. The other one says, hello. Hello, it's sorry, Lazazel belongs to the base of Mikdash. You're not allowed to benefit from it. First guy responds, oh, how do you know? The is done already. Now it's just, uh, maybe just Hefker. Maybe we could eat from it. Remember, we had a shaila originally, whether the pushing off the mountain is considered shchita. That's another thing to, to add to here. But over here, the Gemara Shila is particularly about get the ability to benefit. Not eat it. The ability to benefit. All right? what's the Allah what's about benefit one says it is permitted to benefit from it the same way once the Yavad is done on anything so to hear the Yavad is done and the other man the Yomar says it's going to be forbidden Okay, it's going to be forbidden now the Chaira this is a bigger Kiddush it's a bigger Kiddush to say it's not allowed Usually, once the is done, it's permitted. Let's get into this. The one who says it is allowed to benefit from it. We now turn to Ummad base because it says in the midbar that it's out in the, in the desert, and just like a desert that has no owner, so now it's considered hefkar. The one who says it's to benefit from Gezerah because it says that it is a Gezerah, um, which means that there's a decree. That no person is allowed to benefit at all from this uh, from this animal. Now, in classic Gemara form, we have a machlokas. Each one backs themselves up with a pasuk. Okay, the one who says that you're allowed to benefit, it's from the word midbar. Same way, you could benefit from an open desert that's ownerless. I could benefit from this. The other one brings a pasuk of gzeira. Okay. Now the Gemara is going to say, what's each one going to do with the other one's proof? Right? What does it do with the fact that we call it a midbar? It's ownerless. Like we shall let him benefit. Okay, which in, uh, which includes that the the of the soyer lazazel applies in any place where there is a mishkan. Okay, the mishkan and the midbar and shilay and base hamikdash. Okay, that's what it means, Hamid Bar. There's three different places. The Idach. And the one who says that it's usher to benefit from, because of Gzeera. What does he do? Uh, what does he do with gzera? If you hold it's allowed, what do you do with the word gzera? that seems to imply it's not allowed to benefit? The word Gzeera means that uh, it's referring to some, like a cliff. Okay, a mountain that's cut off. It means something that's being cut up as it goes down. What does gzera mean? Again, all he's saying is not teaching me that it's usher to benefit from. He's just t- teaching me the reality of what happened. Maybe you'll say that it's a ma'isa to you. What's this whole person say? What's this whole mishagas? You push a goat off a cliff Backwards. Who ever heard of such a thing? In what way is that an Aveda of Yom Kippur? And that's taka how Kaisal is supposed to know what they got a kapara by pushing a goat backwards off a cliff? What is that? A person might say, Ma'esetayuhi, this is a Mishigas. Yeah. Tamerleimar, Ani Very appropriate for Parshas Chukas. Yeah. Ani Hashem. Ani you know why it's like this, says Hashem, that you push the goat off the, the cliff and that's I get a kabbar? Because I said so. And you as human beings, us as human beings, ain't ever going to fully understand. Amravah says, it's logical to say that once the lazazel is killed, it's permitted to benefit from. Because says Rava a very reasonable thing, and that is, the Torah says that we're supposed to send the Sarla Zazal off the mountain. And then he walked away. Does it say to go clean it up? No. You're leaving hektish out in the open for the public to potentially stumble with? We never do that. And therefore says Rava, if the halakha is to go take the Sarla Zazal to the cliff and push it off, you could assume logically that once that avidah is done, if you're going to leave it there, once that is done, it's not also awesome for somebody to benefit from. Otherwise, this ish who's walking to the cliff is just simply placing a stumbling block in front of everybody, and that doesn't seem like a, like a uh, logical or consistent way that we handle that. Okay. Seder. Tan Rabbanon, the rabbi's loint. And that's why they're rabbis. Azazel Kosher. Why is the Sawyer called Lazazel? La very basic question. Call the Sawyer Lazazel. La what does Lazazel La mean? And for the Gemara, Azazel means you take it to a place that is strong, hard, the Kosher. Yachob Yishuv. I would say that uh, you could take it to uh, push it off a cliff in a place where that's settled. Yeah, there's houses around the cities. No, it has to be outside of the city. How hey, do no, you know it's got to be a cliff? Maybe just go find a hard, uh, a hard place with big stones and why does it need to be a cliff? Throw it off the side of a mountain that's not a cliff. Throw it rolled down a hill, stony hill. Gzera means it's gazar. Yeah, now, interesting, the word gzera, how we know and refer to it, means a decree. What, why is that called a gzera? Because the chachamim Made very clear edges Around the actions That's what that's what a gzera is A decree Chachamim made clear uh, uh, Directives As to what's allowed And what's not allowed So over here Gozar means it's cut Cut off Mamela needs to be a cliff Tani idach Another b'raisa taught us Azazo koshe behar The word means It's got to be Not only a cliff It's got to be it's got to be a uh, uniquely hard, uniquely hard and and choppy uh, cliff. emer and the strong ones of the land Lakach, were taken. uza Azazo. You know what? You know another reason why it's called l'azazel because it's mechaper for the Averis of Uza and Azael. Okay. Now, uh, the Mepharshim explained and Rashi over here kicks in and tells us that apparently there are two Malachim um, who uh, took on a physical form and had relations with um, uh, had relations with a woman named Nana. Okay? And this basically... Uh, for whatever reason they came down, but basically, it, what, what do you mean we're atoning for uh, Uzzah and and Azo'el, the sar lazaza was a kapara for uh, immorality, all right, for for these types of actions. Period. one of the rabbis learned so should we as mishpatay tasu. The Torah says you should do my mishpot, my judgments. Which means you got to do things even though you can never wrap your head around them. That Kaddish Baruch who says something, that's what we do. Okay? Now, these are some examples of things. Ready for this? Here are some examples of things that you got to do because the rabbinic Shalom says, do it, even though you would have done it anyway. You would have done it anyway. But the reason why we're not doing it is not because I would have done it anyway. The reason why I'm not doing it is because this is what the rabbinic wants. You understand? Let's read this inside. Fascinating. The <laughs> the that's what to Okay, that's what it says. So, what does it mean? That's Mishpat It's referring to things that, anyway, I would have refrained from. Anyway. Yeah? Don't be unfaithful. Be a mensch. Why is it hard to tell it to me? I do it because the Baruch Shalom says, not because I would have, anyway, done a lot. The moment we do things because of our own logic, it's Geferla. Because people's logic and thought process change in very, very broad ways as we go through life. This is referring to things that the Satan, the Yitzhahara, makes very hard on us. Okay? Makes very hard on us to understand. Eating Chazir, pig, and wearing shotness. What's the reason for it? Why is a PIG trait? Why can't I wear shodness? Just because the Rabbi Hashem says. I, I, I wouldn't have refrained from these things if not for the Rabbi Shem telling me. Okay? The Chalitza's yavama, or the Chalitza of a Yavama. Guy's brother dies without children. you got to do either Yibam or Chalitza. What's that? The Taras Mitzayrah. And how to purify a mitzvah. Fascinating process. You do the thumb behind the ear, the blood, the water, and say, what? what? I wouldn't know it unless the Ba'al Hashanah says this is what it's got to do. The sarah And also the process of sending the Sarla zozel off the cliff. The ha said to you, hey, perhaps you're going to say that these are empty acts. Empty actions. They tell you the emptiness. I am Hashem who made it a Chayk, who decreed all these things. And you have no permission to be Maharher after it. Mahar after means to challenge it with your own minds. There's a point as Yidin. We're supposed to question. We're supposed to understand. But there, we also need to understand the limit of the human mind. We need to humble ourselves in that way. A person is not willing to humble himself or herself, and our ability to fully grasp and fathom is never really going to be a true evidential. We have to realize, the, just, just as our mitzies, we're just limited in the amount that we can that we can grasp, and we have to just leave the rest up to the B'nosheth. We know there's a Creator, so we're going to leave the rest up to Him. It's not a leap of faith, like it's blind. It's just we know. We just... <laughs> The, the mind can't get everything. That's it. Okay. Period. Two dots. Next part of the Mishnah. Ama We know that the one who brought the Sarla the, La'Zozal um, outside Yerushalayim off the cliff, his clothes become impure. Why? State and That's what it says in the Tyre. We said in the Mishnah, when does it become impure? We mentioned the Machlokas. Either as soon as he leaves Yerushalayim or as soon as he pushes it off the cliff. Taner Abba the Rabbis learned and so shall we? Amishaleich matami begod. The one who brings the laazazel is called and becomes tami v'ina shleiches m'shleich matami But the one who gives the goat to the one who's bringing the he does not become tami. Okay? Yochum I would think to become tami as soon as he leaves the base hamikdash while you're still in Yerushalayim. Tamud leimar hamishaleich. All right. What does mishaleich means? It has to be. You already have to have started your trip. Not as soon as you walk out of the base of it. And if I would have just said I would say is doesn't become tummy until your mamish get to the cliff. And the one who is sending, meaning as soon as he's sending your tummies, this is a contradiction. One positive seems to imply once you've been sent. The other one seems to imply once you start sending. Contradiction. Okay, so what's the pshah, what's talking the P'Shah here? What's the Teretz? Uh, the, you become Tameh as soon as you leave not the base of HaMegdaz but as soon as you leave the walls of Yerushalayim. That's when you become Tameh. There's a opinion of No, that you don't become Tameh until you push it up, until you get to the cliff. The one who sends the Sar has to... Uh, bi, bi mitahir, purify his clothes bi basreish, which means that he throws it head first um, begodim, and only then does he become mit, uh, mitah, only then does his clothing become tame. Okay, so we're basically ending the Gemara we've changed from the Mishnah which had a two way Machlekes to the Gemara which has a three way Machlekes the three opinions that we have now are Either the one bringing the Saar la'zazel, is become his clothes become tummy as soon as he leaves Yerushalayim, or his clothes become tummy as soon as he reaches the cliff, or his clothes become tummy as soon as he pushes the goat off of the cliff. Period. We are now completed for now with that we are we're we're done with that discussion of the Sa'ir Lazazel, the process, how he got there, so on and so on. Okay. We're now going to start the next Mishnah, okay? And this Mishnah is a continuation of the Avaida of Yom Kippur. Now that the Sarla Zazel has been completed in it's avodah, we now return to the Kohen Gadol in the Beis HaMikdash. He has an Avada to do. He's got to keep working on Yom Kippur. So what did he do next? Once the Sarla Zazel is completed, what did the kohen gadol do next? let's get into this. Parvis and the Kayen came to the par and the Saer, the rofim that were burnt. now, what do you mean they were burnt? when were they burnt? Now is every korv al-chatas, they had the limbs burnt on top of the uh, on top of the mizbeach. okay um not on top of Zbech. I'm sorry. The limbs were taken to the base hashreifa, right? That we learned about that. They were taken to the special place of burning in Yerushalayim, but outside the of hamikdash. So Bala eats apart his He tore them and uh, took apart their their emurim, their limbs, and the son of uh, ba He put them inside of a basket <speaking in Hebrew> and burnt these limbs on top of the And then. He made like a six braid challah with them. Yeah. He took the um, the different limbs and he kind of uh, made it look nice. Okay, look nice means that he, he mixed it all together. When you braid something, you overlap them, so it wasn't no it was no longer noticeable like which exactly which limbs were from the goat, which one is from the bull. But he'd see on the base, and that was taken out to the bashrefa. The imitama And when did these emurim? When did the, were they metame the begodim of the person who burnt them? Okay, who the Torah also told us that whoever dealt with the emurim became tame. Shimonai, Reb Shimon says the tanakama Kama, azar. As soon as they left the chaymas azar, Shimonai, Shimon says, as soon as the fire that was going to burn them caught on to most of the emurim, that's when uh, whoever brought it became Tameh. Okay. The same. Says the Gemara, Right now we're thinking and understand the Mishnah as follows: The Sarla is pushed off the cliff. we now return and we says the Kaingado walks over to the Par Vesoyer and Rafim, He walks over to the bull and the goat that are going to be that are, that are going to be burnt. It seems like he's going to burn them now. Says Gemara, says, is that true? He's not going to burn them right now. He's taking them because eventually, he's setting them up to eventually be burnt. But ain't that wasn't really the next step of the Avedah was to burn these things now. bin and he mixed the the limbs of the par and the sotir together. Rabbi Yechonan says, in clear. It was made like a braid." Okay, now we'll get to this, but braid means that that um, you know it, it looked like obviously it was a bunch of different pieces of the bull and of the goat, but the way that they would combine them made it look like it was all meant to be together. <speaking in Hebrew> that. um the way that these uh, the the par and the sar were cut up is not like a regular eila, Ella, rather Ur Al Gabe Basar. This is so fascinating. They didn't skin the meat. They, it was cut up and the limbs were put together while the skins were still on the flesh. Manohanimidi, where do you get this from? The Tanughana Brahsa Rabbi Yam Rabbi says, Namar Khan Ur Ubasar Uperesh. It says by the Avoid of yom Kippur, the or the Basar and the peresh, right? The skin, the meat, the peresh, which is the insides, the waste. And also says by the khan Kipper kippur all these things are bosor and Perish. Gotta give me two minutes, okay? It's a, and what do you see from here? On top of tomorrow's daf, just like over there, that the uh, the limbs were cut up, but the skin was not removed. Uh, so to by yom kippur. Um, it was Tuach that they would uh, cut up the limbs. But they didn't take the skin off. How do you know that by the Kain Godol's par itself that they wasn't skinned first? Tanya, the that uh, he, he took the insides upirshay and the excrement, the waste, the and he takes it outside. it Sha means it should all be together. Okay, so everything should be tzizamin. At the time that it's being removed, Yochel Yisufenu Shali, I would think that you also burned the entire bull of the Kain Gadol at the time uh, that you brought it out. Um, so answers the Gemara: Namarkan Raisha Yukrov, Namalalon Raisha Yukrayim. It says the head with the feet, and the head with the feet. Malalalon, just like by the carbon Ayla. What do you mean the head with the feet? It was brought once it was cut up. You had the head with the feet, and it we not whole. It's all yadayni tuach. Afkan, so to buy the kain Godol's par, kain Godol's bull, also all yadayni tuach. It needed to be cut up. Says the Gemara, imal alani day have shit. Afkan, all day have shit. I would say, oh, okay, very nice. we are learning out halachas and similarities, and to say it needs to be cut up. Well, let me tell you something. By the bull of the kain Godol, it was skin. So over here we say skin too. Talmud leimar v'khir by o pirsha. My Tamud. Where do you see from here? V'khir by u'pirsha means with the skin just like the waste that was inside the animal needed to stay there so too the meat of the animal needed to stay inside of its protector right, what protects waste? the flesh waste is inside flesh what is flesh inside of the skin same way the fle- the, the waste needed to be inside the flesh the flesh needs to be inside the skin and that's the drusha which teaches us that the skin was not removed prior to the cutting up. All right, we'll hold it here for today. And Bez Hashem, pick up from here tomorrow morning.